Today is January 8th, 2021. Happy New Year, everybody. You are listening to Sam Walking in the World, episode 44, my first one of the new year. This is the fastest growing podcast in all of an all top terrace. And always, these are the thoughts of a guy who used to be unhappy, just trying to live like he wants to be when he dies. Hola to my Brazilian listeners. Guten Tag, Kiora, Nihao to my friends in Singapore. Top of the morning to my Irish listeners. Funatichesky, Berwopariat to my Russians, who I'm not colluding with. Or maybe I am. And all my friends in the Great White North continue to not be hosers, eh? This is a big fat hello to all my devoted listeners across five continents now and both hemispheres. I'm very grateful to all of you, and as always, I'm thrilled as ever to hear you listening to the sound of my voice. What a world we are living in. Boy. Last night, people stormed the Capitol. Well, well yesterday, really. Stormed the Capitol. Trump supporters. Angry that they feel like their election was stolen from them. I will get to my comments on that. Um, in in larger things, uh, but boy, it is crazy times. I guess people always think they're living in crazy times, though. You know, I went to the convenience store, and a guy that I talk frequently with said, uh, "Boy, the the history books are gonna fifty years from now are gonna be talking about this time like it was crazy." And I thought to myself, <clears throat> I thought about fifty years ago. I thought to myself. Well, I think maybe that's always the case while we're living it and it's new. It's kind of a good way to think about living is <clears throat> try to try to imagine yourself as future memories, future events of the past. Um, it, it might um, give me a better consciousness of what I'm doing because literally everything is recorded now. Um and when time passes and people are, are beyond the passions of the day, uh, historians tend to lay things out in a fairly objective way. I'm not sure, though, now with, with social media. I still can't figure out why big tech, right, Google, Apple, um, Facebook, Twitter. I, I, I can't understand why they're so left of center politically. I don't get it. There's, there's this amazing thing where everybody says that they want free speech, but then people people try to take free speech away. That that Jefferson quote where he said, he said, I might disagree wholeheartedly with what you say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. I think that's going away. And I got to be honest, politically, I feel like right now it is the left that is trying to censor. I guess some things are just so appalling that they can't be said. And I've always felt like, let them be said and say something better in response. Better argument tends to sway uh, open-minded people. And I think it does. I think most people tend to live in a very common way. But when, as soon as you start talking about politics, everything goes out the window. As I spoke about in a previous episode, there is such an enormous disconnect between the way people live their actual lives in their in their own little vicinity and and what they say they want politically. 
what candidates they want, what party they belong to. Such a disconnect. Now, I'll look at people sometimes. I had a conversation this morning at the, at the pool with a guy who, who's a Democrat. Hates Trump. And, um, but lives in a, in, in a very, very conservative way. And I wanted to try and tell him, uh, was a dude, if you forget about who's running for office and what party people belong to, and you just look at the issues and say, where do you stand on these? Almost every single issue, he was conservative. In fact, he was more conservative than I was. So it, it's odd. It's like I always say, it's the phenomenon of people rooting for their football team. And because national politics, especially presidential politics, is so far away from us, wherever you're living, it's far away. And so you can conceive it to be whatever you want. You can determine your own idea of cause and effect. And uh, it just it's just too far away. But when you speak about specific things with people, I think there's a, a ton more common agreement. But I will get to all that. <clears throat> I have some stupid stuff. Um, first, I want to announce this. Today, I am free from quarantine. I didn't want to make a big deal out of it, but those of you in my life who haven't seen me, it's because I've had to quarantine for 10 days. Um, I haven't been teaching at school um, or working for uh, my other job with my special needs girls. It's been lonely. I, I'm a person who likes solitude anyway, um, but just not, not being able to teach in person with my kids and not being able to see my girls... Literally, the only thing I've been able to do is take these long... I'm not supposed to do this, so please don't tell anybody. But I take these long trail walks. I drive maybe one minute, enter this trail near my house, and it's probably 10 square miles of of trails and just woods. I've been taking the dog up in there and um, getting some great thinking done. Um, and not infecting anybody but the squirrels. Uh, so, and I was thinking about this too, quarantine, everyone's saying the word quarantine. I, I think I've mentioned it previously, but, um, quarantine comes from the word quaranta, which is 40, the word 40 in Italian. And it comes from uh, the middle ages during the plague in Venice, uh, ships had to wait 40 days at anchor in port before they could enter, you know, come up, come ashore on the land. Uh, because that would give all the rats time to die. And um, it would make sure that whoever had the plague would be dead <laughs> before they came on shore. If they had it. And so that's where it comes from, in case you wonder. Quaranta journey. 40 days. Uh, okay, moving on to other stupid stuff. Uh, I, I, gotta, I gotta say this. I've, done, I've taken showers in a million places. Because I like to shower after I work out, and I've worked out in a million places. And, and I mean, I don't like cold showers, but I can stand them. For a while, I had to take cold showers because it just took too long for the pipes to warm up in the morning. And uh, it was it was pretty brutal. But I, you always, I always felt better afterwards. And it's like the, it's the, it's the crazy thing that, is it, all of our lives are based on relative conditions. I'm going to talk more about this later in lifey stuff, but but after a cold shower that you are literally in in a mild way suffering all the way through the shower, 
washing yourself and you're, you're shaking and making sounds that I don't know what innately you feel will help you deal with the cold. And then you get done, you turn the water off and you get your towel. Immediately when the water goes off, you feel warm. So you immediately get a good feeling because it followed a bad one. And I guess it's that, that old adage about hitting yourself in the head with a hammer because when you stop, it feels so good. But it got me thinking about the towels. This morning shower was nice and warm. There are a few people together before me, and they and the showers are the pipes in the shower are filled with warm water. So maybe you have to wait 30 seconds. But when I got out, I noticed this. The towel plays an enormous role in the quality of the shower experience. I got a journey towel, the van, journey. I went to a concert. I don't know what, three or four years ago with my wife. Um, and we saw Journey, but not with Steve Perry, with the replacement singer, the Asian guy, who's amazing, by the way. I mean, if you were to listen to two tapes, it's very hard to distinguish the real thing from this guy who's singing for Journey now. It was a great concert. But I, it was our anniversary, and I treated my wife to this like you know um, special guest package where we got to go backstage if we wanted to. We didn't end up doing it, but we got this package when we got there and it had all these like um, souvenirs and stuff and one of them was a towel and and I could tell right away when I got it that it was like a, a show towel you know what I mean like a it, it, it looked like it was not a towel intended for normal towel use on one side it had the giant journey logo and the cities um, of the tour I forget what it was called the tour was called um, but then the back of it was like the terry cloth that you're supposed to, you know, one side was kind of sheer and the other side was terry cloth. So really, you had a one, I had a one-sided towel. And I've been using them just because I might as well. But I recently stopped using them and I started using a thick, thick, not terry cloth, but you know what I mean. When you go to a nice hotel, that thick, soft feeling. I went and bought a really nice towel. Two, actually. And when I get out of the shower now, and I, and I, it, first of all, they immediately absorb the water. There's nothing worse than that feeling of, of taking the towel and going down your one shoulder. Let's say you got your right hand and you're using the towel and you, you go over your left shoulder and down your arm, down your left side of your body. And then you flip it into your left hand and you go to do it on the, on the other side and the towel's already soaked. So one side sort of absorbs the water and the other side, it just pushes the water down your body. It's really awful. And that can change from a, a good shower to a bad one. So for whatever it's worth is my recommendation. Invest in a really good towel. And when you get out of the shower, take your time drying off. And I swear it will put you in a good mood. So that's that. Uh, and then speaking about uh, laundry and clothing and apparel, uh, I got a question. I was I was asking myself this the other day when I was doing my own laundry, and uh, and uh, I'm I tend to be the type that flips my clothes back right side out, like they're inside out sometimes. Then you take them off, and I will flip them right side right before I put them in the in the hamper, so that I can just throw them in when I wash them, and they're all right side out. And then when they come out, I can just fold them. 
But I know there are some people who just, I, I, I kind of wish, I, I, I want this. I want the carefree feeling of just taking off a t-shirt, leaving it inside out, and throwing it in the laundry. I have to work on that. I'm not all the way there yet. I can let the laundry lay on the ground near the laundry basket without having to go over and pick it up. We've already talked about this. If I've thrown it and missed. But I, for something about something about knowing that I'm going to later have to flip everything right side out as I'm folding it seems to me like something I could just take care of now and not have to worry about later. I envy the people who can just and, and the, the 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 really cool people are the ones that take their t-shirt off, allow it to be inside out, throw it in the laundry, wash it when it gets out. They fold it, and they don't even flip it right side out. It doesn't matter to them that they're folding their T-shirts inside out and putting them down. I guess they just flip them right side out when they put them on. I guess there's even another level where you can just put them on inside out. Those are the carefree people living outside the box. Still got one foot in the box. I'm working on it, though. That's the best I can do. Um, <laughs> so are you the kind that... Flips it right side up before the laundry, after the laundry, or do you just leave it inside out the whole time? Because I guess then when you take it off the second time, it will be right side out. And you can follow the same exact process, and the next time you put the shirt on, it'll be right side right. So you go inside out some days and right side right some days. That does not sound like a bad idea. I mean, what do I care whether or not someone sees me with my shirt inside out? I think sometimes even the better fabric is on the outside. All right, I've gone way down the rabbit hole. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. Oh, actually, no, there's one more thing I want to talk about, stupid stuff. But first, I need a drink. My mouth is getting dry, so I'm going to open my Red Bull. Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, I have to give it up for Sega Genesis. Everybody seems to... There's two things everybody seems to cling on to and keep from a period of their life that they seem to have chosen, I guess because they like it. Maybe it was a formative time in their life, um, a memorable time, um, a nostalgic time. But these are the two things I've noticed. Most people, and adults play video games now because the video game age happened at a time when it went from just kids playing it to kids who grew up and continued to play it. So there's going to be a generation of grandparents playing video games like Madden football and um, and Fortnite and all these games. There's going to be a bunch of old people in in, uh, in nursing homes playing playing each other from their various rooms on the internet shooting bad guys. But <clears throat> anyway, my period was Sega Genesis. Now, I was there for the original Atari with the one black joystick and the one orange button, or red button, whatever it is. And that was the Space Invaders. Um, there's a couple more games. So Asteroids, if you remember those going way back. You're my age. Most of my audience is about my age, so you have to remember those. I'm sure you do. And then there was the advanced Ataris, like the 5200. And that's when they started to look a little bit more like actual arcade games. They had that game Punch-Out. You had to fight various fighters. and They all had their own little unique weaknesses and strengths. Um, and so, and then gradually Nintendo happened. 
and that was amazing. That was an amazing time. It, it's it's kind of a tie for me between Nintendo and uh, Sega Genesis. Nintendo was um, had a game called RBI Baseball, where it was mainly a pitching hitting duel down the middle of the screen, and as soon as the batter made contact, it switched to the full field. But there really wasn't much action in the fielding. You move these tiny little guys, and if you moved early enough, you had time to catch the ball. You could advance runners, but it was basically a pitching hitting duel. And but the action you could put on the ball as a pitcher, you could, and the pitchers gradually got tired too. So you had to manage the the fatigue of the pitcher because he would start to lose strength and then his curveball wouldn't curve as much or his fastball wouldn't be as fast. And there were balls and strikes and it was a really, it was it was a duel. I remember people actually getting in fights in my college dorm because they were playing Nintendo RBI baseball tournaments. Uh, some of you may have no idea what I'm talking about. Others of you are probably smiling. Um, and then after, after Nintendo came... Sega Genesis. And to me, EA Sports Entertainment Arts, I think it's a Japanese company, they had a way of putting game action into the game. And there were a couple games in particular. One was Sega Genesis EA Hockey, NHL. They had NHL 94, 95, 96, 97. And they just kept adding more and more game action. What do I mean by game action? It means... You could fake a slap shot, and they continue to stick handle. It means you could pass the puck and uh, and be setting up a one timer for the next guy to shoot. You could drop pass. Um, they had injuries. One of the game had fights, and then somebody in the NHL got hurt really bad, and so the following year they got rid of fights. But then everyone hated that, so they put them back in the following year. So I recently bought my own <coughs> retrofit Sega Genesis. I bought it from a collector, so it had never been used. And I bought um, NHL 94 and 96. 94 is very nostalgic. It doesn't have the same kind of game action, but it was really when I cut my teeth on Sega, so I wanted to have it. So I, had, I have 94 and 96, which I think is the best Sega Genesis EA era um, game is 96. And then I also had this uh, football game called Bill Walsh College Football. Bill Walsh was the coach of Stanford, and then um, he went on to coach the 49ers to Super Bowl championships with Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Roger Craig. And um, and I don't know why it was Bill Walsh College Football. I don't know why he got the gig, <laughs> but the game action was unbelievable. And this game goes back so far. <laughs> Peyton Manning is the freshman quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers. And again, great game action. You could hit a receiver after he caught the ball, and the ball would pop up in the air. You could intercept it. Um, so I kind of spoiled myself. And I, I recommend it. If you want to feel like you felt in your... 20s by a Sega Genesis. They're available. But I really got to give it up for EA Sports. Um, and I love playing it. An hour can go by. Uh, I got a friend that lives in Boston. He, he was my primary partner when we would play. And we would play on the same team. We play hockey on the same team. And uh, play a season or a playoff series. We actually cared if we won. It was, it was funny. But it takes me back. So that was my stupid stuff. Now I'm going to take a break. And when I get back, I'm going to talk about some lifey stuff. Um, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to talk about how 
my goal is to separate my contentment from the conditions of my life. I'm going to separate my contentment from the conditions of my life. I'll talk more about what I mean by that after this break. Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode 44. Man, I feel like I've fallen so far behind. My, I have so much in my head um, that keeps on bubbling up that I f- just keep forgetting to finish stuff that I'm talking about. Um, first of all, thank you, Milky. Milky also had to quarantine. Uh, so we had to work remotely for a little while, but it is very good to see him again. You're doing good? Yeah. So we survived it. Uh, Milky's tougher, though. He can just relax in any condition. I want to be more like him. Um, but also, I forgot to mention this. I was talking about how people tend to stick with the video game that happened during their formative years or whatever that time of their life is that they wanted to, that, that was a really good time where they felt like they were their fullest self. Um, or their coolest self, maybe their most fun self. And the other thing besides video games that they tend to stick with as their favorite thing moving forward in life, because people change with the times, like they'll, they'll change what they wear because people will be wearing clothes differently. You know, they'll wear jams. You know, remember jams? They were like the, 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 um, reincarnation of Bermuda shorts. I don't know if any of you guys remember jams with the big flowers on them and stuff. They were kind of cool. They were comfortable. Most of them had like a drawstring waist and they had pockets. They were long, long baggy shorts, kind of casual wear shorts. But we wore those and then we wore jeans. You wore jeans that were bell-bottom-ish. Then you wore jeans that were tighter. Now they're super tapered, tight jeans. I, I, I will not do that Um, just because of comfort. But in general, people will move with the times. There was a time when everyone was wearing flannel shirts. They're in the grunge. And it, it really did kind of affect everybody's fashion. But one thing that tend, people tend to stick with is their haircut. Unless they're losing their hair. If they're not losing their hair and they still have their hair, or maybe even if they are losing their hair, people tend to stick with the cut that they thought they looked best in. Like pretty close to the one that was in their prom picture. Or maybe their senior yearbook picture. <clears throat> I remember remember hair being feathered down the middle. <laughs> Parted in the middle and feathered out to the sides. Sometimes with the full mullet in the back, sometimes not. But this, do you know anybody who still parts their hair in the middle? <laughs> it was a big deal, too, if your hair couldn't part that way and feather, feathering your hair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my brother Frankie had gr- wonderfully feathered hair. I remember my mom had to tape it once because it just would not cooperate. So that that is the extent people went to to feather their hair and part it in the middle. <laughs> Even girls, like the Pat Benatar look. You still see some people walking around like that. It's, it's one of the last vestiges of the past that people are very um, unwilling to let go because that's the, that's the face. It's their face. It's their, it's their them. Um, but uh, you happen to know my brother does not part his hair in the middle anymore. <laughs> I'd love to see him do it, though, <laughs> for Halloween or something. Okay. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to complete that thought. Video games and hair. Uh, and I wanted to give a special thank you to Milky for sticking it out with me. Um, <laughs> okay. Moving on to lifey stuff. Um, you know people annoy me. I, I'm pretty good at letting things go. 
I, I tend to not be able, I tend to not need to hold on to things. Because, I, I mean, ultimately, you know, everything matters, so you don't have to worry about anything, really, is kind of my philosophy. So, um, I, I kind of feel like everything is the way it's supposed to be. If I'm doing my best to be the person I think God intends me to be, which I try to do every day, um, I think that uh, I don't have to worry about how things work out. But people in the world annoy me. Uh, frequently, I'll discover this while I'm driving. But I just, I feel like some people are living life behind three inches of thick glass. Like thick, foggy, like uh, the kind of glass that they use at hockey games. I forget what it's called. Plexiglass. Like, like there's a three-inch layer of plexiglass between them and the world. And they like have to squint to see through it to know what's going on. They can't quite hear you the first time. Uh, when they're driving, they have to lean their head closer to the to the de- the windshield for some reason. I guess maybe they're closer to the road, I, I, and, and the objects are easier to see from two inches closer. So they crane their neck forward when they're driving. I don't get it. I don't get it. And I I guess I understand there are so many different kinds of people. But I guess, and I don't mean to be arrogant, but I, I, I feel like I'm a fairly intelligent person. And I'm glad that I have the brain I have. As nuts as it makes me sometimes, like it has to be channeled or else it'll just spin out of control, as you already know. Um, but I'd rather have the brain I have and be annoyed by nitwits than be a nitwit. Like I talked about being in the box. You can't talk to the creature in the box about being in the box because it doesn't know what's in the box. Um, I'd rather have to deal with the people in the box than be one of the people in the box, which I am still. I think in in some respects, everybody's always somewhat in the box. But at least to have the concept in my head that there's a box means at least I'm aware of it. And I know I have to listen to people who are reading the directions on how to get out which are written on the outside of the box, as I've said before. Um, so I, I, I do try to listen. Um, but I've talked about all that before, and I'm going to go into it again. But I just wanted to just wanted to give a special thanks to whatever created me that I um, don't have three inches of thick glass between me and the world. I did get new glasses recently, though. Um, it had been nine years since I got glasses, and I had to wait like eight months to get my appointment because of COVID. I finally went in, and and uh, it turned out the blind spot that I have in my left eye was recorded to be in my right eye. There was a, a record mistake or whatever in the file at the ophthalmologist. And that explained a lot to me because I, I thought maybe all of a sudden it jumped over to my other eye. It was freaking me out. But I got glasses, and they're the good kind, the kind you can toss on a desk and not have to worry about them breaking. You know, the kind you don't always have to put back. Because I had like almost like wire-rimmed glasses before. Kind of a rectangular sort of shaped. And uh, they were fragile. I wanted a sturdy, sturdy pair. Now, they are definitely glasses. I have a glasses face when I wear them. But boy, it does make everything easier. I can read the bottom of the TV. Um, I can see. And it's it used to be just reading. Or, or reading, you know, street signs and stuff like that. But now it's like just trees 40 feet away are blurry. A little bit blurry. 
when I put them on. You, you can't tell how bad your eyesight is until you have corrective lenses on. You already know my story about cheating in order to be able to get my license at the eye test. <sighs> Which I'm not proud of. But I finally got the good glasses that I need. In fact, you know what? I'm going to put them on right now. As I'm looking at my screen. Oh, boy, that's good. Oh, that's just... Oh, that's so nice. Oh, that's a squirrel. Oh, I thought that was part of the tree. It's a squirrel. Okay, anyway, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm wasting your time. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to mention this. As I was walking up through the trails, now, I, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I shoot rifles. Um, I belong to a gun club. Uh, I'm not, I don't consider myself a gun nut. Like I, I don't even think people who have the high powered rifles are gun nuts. They're actually fun. I fired a couple of, I, I fired an AR 15 just a couple times. But what I don't like about the AR 15 is that it's loud. It's really loud. What they, what people like about it though, is that and I, I can tell it's very light and very accurate, but loud. Oh my God. And I, I'm, I'm not a hunter. And so I had to kind of decide what my niche was going to be in shooting. And so it kind of settled into what felt good for me was shooting 22 rifles with a scope. Um, and my favorite distances are about 100 yards, from 200 yards into 50 yards. I'm very accurate at 50 yards. Like I can shoot a quarter. Um, but I, as I'm walking through the trail and I'm seeing all these animals, and, and the worst thing that might be up there is a coyote, but something rabid might be walking around up there and I have subsonic bullets. So, um, I, if I shot, it would just sound like this, that, um, and when you use the real rounds, it's, it's, it's loud and in a room, it would be loud in my front yard. It would be loud but at a range. It's not very loud, but I, I was thinking, I, I don't know if I could get myself to shoot an animal. You know, there's something about life that I feel like it would be a mistake to take away. Because I would feel a certain way about it. I don't begrudge hunters that shoot deer. Um, all you have to do is have a deer run out in front of your car or run into the side of your car while you're driving to know that it's okay for some of those deer to be dead. Because there's just too many. And the idea of a deer starving... The idea of a deer starving is worse than an idea of a precise shot in its heart or head. And then people eating the meat. I love venison. But I, I couldn't shoot one. I just couldn't do it. I, I feel like the idea of subtracting life from the world would not sit well with me. Um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's the most remarkable thing there is, life. It's the, it's the most giant difference in the world. The difference between something that's alive and something that's dead. It's bigger than a difference in between rich and poor. It's bigger than white and black. It's bigger than male and female. Dead and alive is the biggest difference there is. And I just feel like I could not affect the universe in that way. But again, I, I know that's mostly me. I don't think that, the, but I also, I have disdain for people who kill things indiscriminately. I have disdain for people. And you have to be a sociopath to kill something just to enjoy killing it. 
So, I, I mean, unless you're I, I, unless you're a hunter, if you're a hunter and you shoot deer and enjoy killing them, but I don't know if you, I don't even know if there's enjoyment in the killing. I don't know. I have to talk to a hunter about that. Trying to dig a little bit deeper. Moving on. Now, I said uh, before the break that I wanted to talk about how my my goal is to separate my contentment from the conditions of my life. Right? I've heard it described as the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is what happens when you get paid and you have money all of a sudden. Happiness is what happens when an attractive person wants to be intimate with you. Happiness is what happens when you win a contest, a game, a sport. Happiness is what you feel when you just bought a new car and it's really cool to drive. And then the opposite of that is sadness. Sadness is when the hot chick breaks up with you. Sadness is when you don't have a lot of money and so you don't get to do things or have things that you would enjoy. Joy, on the other hand, I've been told by people I trust that joy should be irrespective of the particulars in your life, conditions in your life. Joy is more of a a sense that you're just content and, and fortunate to be alive. That just the very fact that you're here, like Descartes said, I think therefore I am. The fact that you are ought to be the source of your joy. I'm told. I'm not preaching. But I like the idea. Uh, uh, this person also said, and I, I know it isn't um, their direct quote, but they, they passed it along to me, is that the advice I was given was to live life like a loose garment. I love that. Something about it, the ring to it, makes me feel like it's true. And I would even add a loose temporary garment. A flash in time, really. So what what, what really is the point of getting that sad about anything? Or that happy about any condition like, like that in your life? I mean, it's great. But I try to keep my eye on the idea that I should be joyful. The ups and downs are going to happen. If you're trying to be the person you think you're supposed to be, whether that's a sense you get from a God or not, um, I think joy is the goal. And then in order to do that, you have to separate your contentment from the conditions of your life. Um, uh, Okay. I got a little deep there. I'm going to have to lighten this up. Um. I already talked about how we are we are con- we are creatures of relative conditions, right? Those are the ups and downs, and it's funny. I, I recommend this too. Try doing something without the TV on. When you go into the room where your TV normally is, and say you're eating or or I don't know, playing, being on your computer, try to try to leave your television off. Um, I get that sense too when I go up in the trails and I'm around no civilization and I get back, there's like a newness, like almost like a freshness to being back in places that have become so familiar that I'd just taken them for granted. TV too.
I love watching TV. I love watching movies. But when I turn the TV on, only when there's something in particular I'm going to watch, rather than leaving it on and having like just a cable news channel on all the time or, um, you know, just whatever channel. Just leave as your default channel. And I've tried to not have a default channel. And it it does allow me to do what I'm doing. And that, to me, that is the, the, the best practice there could possibly be is do whatever it is that you're doing. And with the TV on, I'm not quite doing what I'm doing. And uh, it's funny, my, my stepson was saying that he was so bored the other day because like, he had, he's had to quarantine too. It's like, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. Like, he was just playing video games. He was just watching TV and he kind of saturated his enjoyment for that, like diminishing marginal returns. Eventually got to the point where adding more didn't add more. And, he, and so he exhausted his ability to have fun playing video games. And he was just completely bored. He's like, well, you know, maybe you should mix it up, do some other stuff. Some stuff that maybe takes a little bit of work to get started or maybe a little bit of effort to get started. Because I was like, why don't you read a book and get into the characters and what's going on in the plot? And, and, and you know, you can always go back to it. It's kind of like a movie in your mind, really. I, I recognize that the first time I read a good novel, it was called Watchers. And it was by Dean R. Coots. And it was about uh, a lab that was creating super intelligent um, animals. One was a golden retriever. Um, that had like a good disposition, but it had like, you know, five-year-old intelligence, like the intelligence of like a five-year-old person. And uh, maybe a little bit more than that, maybe like an eight-year-old person. And then they also created a monster and the monster had super, super intelligence, almost like that of a human, but it was this mixture of animal DNA and it hated itself. It, it was smart enough to have awareness of itself and it hated itself. It hated the golden retriever and its mission was to try and find the golden retriever because they both had escaped and kill it. And I was like reading in my basement and I had to go upstairs. I was probably like, I don't know, 19. And I was like, wow, this is like a movie I can just carry around with me. And anyone that hasn't unlocked that sense yet in reading a book is even if it's like on a Kindle or on your phone, but the story happens in your mind. And uh, I was like, why don't you read a book? He's like, nah, I never get into a book. Well, you know what? You deserve your boredom. And I left the kitchen. Okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about news and politics after this, particularly voter ID. Right? Everyone feels that the, all the Trump people feel like this election was stolen. I'm going to talk about that. I'm also going to talk about people who talk about whether or not they like Trump or do you like the uh, Biden? Do you like the, he's an idiot or or he he's a good guy or you know, when they talk actually about the person, that the politician as a person, it drives me nuts. It, it drives me nuts. Because we don't know these people at all, really. Um, but we know what laws they might pass or not pass or change or policies that they might implement that might have an effect on our life. And um, it's just really hard to, like I said, politics is so far away. It's hard to have a conversation with somebody about a politician or a candidate because there's no real way of knowing what they are, who they are. But people do, just the same way they try to think they know they're superstar athletes. He's a good guy. Oh, he's a jerk. You don't know these people. But I'm, I'm going to get to more of that in a second. Um, <laughs> some funny stuff about uh, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. I don't even know if she changed it. Um, 
But I'll get to all that. Um, I don't want to give it away right now, but I'll get to all that right after this. Milky. Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode 44. Now, on to the more serious stuff, but not really. So, first I want to say this. Um, I don't have any feelings for Trump. Right? I didn't have any feelings for Barack Obama. I don't have any feelings for Joe Biden. People ask, someone recently asked me, how do you how do you feel about Trump now that he said a bunch of stupid stuff? Um, and I thought to myself, I don't have feelings for him. How I decide to vote has nothing to do with what I perceive to be the quality of the character of the person. We can't know that. I mean, you can get a general sense, I guess, by the choices they make in terms of of legislation and, you know, executive orders and things like that, but you can't know them. What I have is a belief in conservative principles, generally. Mostly, like I've said, I'm a personal responsibility conservative. And I've had plenty of experience around government, and I have a disdain for big government. It's like a cancer. It ends up just growing to grow. And it becomes a lot less efficient than than things that have a bottom line. For example, FedEx is much more efficient than the United States Postal Service, which isn't that bad. Postal Service gets such a bad rap. Uh, but I honestly, I don't see the problem. Same with the DMV. The DMV is not bad. To me, anyway. I don't know. Maybe you have a bad DMV outlet. But big, big government, top-down centralized government stinks. It stinks. And usually you have to follow the money. The more the more in charge of supplying the money the government is, the more obviously the more power it has. And therefore you have to deal with however, like right now in New York, we, we are the most gigantic bureaucracy, I think, in the world in this state. And it's always in debt. It takes forever for the for the mechanisms of government to work. That giant slow gear. And in places where government is smaller, everything seems to tend, everything tends to be more efficient. Like like uh, supplying the vaccine, distributing the vaccine right now. New York is 28th right now, ranked 28th in the ability to distribute the vaccine. We knew it was coming, but uh, one guy has to tell another guy, and he's got to tell another guy, and he's got to assign it to another guy, and that guy's got to assign it to another guy, and and there needs to be supervision of all these assignments and 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 reports and evaluations, and by the time the action ends up happening, it's it's been distilled through this process of awful awfulness. Um, so. Uh, I think people who base their vote on their feelings for the particular politician are ignorant of any real relationship between their politics and their lives. Like I was saying about my friend this morning at the gym. They tend to be, and I'm sorry to say this, I don't mean to insult anybody, but they tend to be useful idiots. And they're used every once every four years. These are people that Two years from a presidential election, in between elections, it, it, they never, ever talk about politics. If you ask them about politics during that time, they probably wouldn't have an opinion. Their attention wouldn't be focused on it. But then they zoom in once every four years. 
they look at the person. Usually it's it's based on the information that they receive from their media outlet. And most media outlets are leftist. And so they form their opinion and they want to feel enlightened. And they, they, have, they feel like they have this ability to, to determine the character of the person and say, I like this person. But then you ask them about a particular in their life. Like I have a friend who's a who's a, a Democrat and and I, I claims himself to be liberal. His voting record is extremely liberal. Like I like I said before, if you think you're voting based on the particular person in each case, you're making a choice between the two people. But your history of voting has always been for one party. You have to ask yourself: Are you honestly judging the person, or are you just? finding in them what you need to see in order to vote for the same party you're going to vote for anyway, no matter who it is. And that's okay. I vote for the same party pretty much, no matter who it is. But that's because of the outcomes I desire. I want low taxes. I want small government. I want to maintain my gun rights. Uh, I don't want big government. So, and most people live that way. That That's what gets me. So when people ask me, how do you feel about him? How's your boy? Trump, my God, let's not even talk politics. Let's talk about whether or not they're going to take your gun away. This, this particular person has owns guns. Like he he has a, he has a concealed carry permit from like 1974 when they, when they used to give those out like candy and it's permanent. What if they came for your gun? No way. Not coming for my gun. Do you have any idea? the outcomes that you cause when you vote for people? And the answer for most people is no. And and in a lot of cases, it's because they're just living their life. You know, you, there are people who obsess on politics. And it becomes much less about their life. And it becomes an arduous, uh, tedious existence. So I, don't, I try not to do that. But I do tune in. I'm aware of it. Like, for example, when Kamala Harris said told the story about how when she was two, her parents were at a protest rally and she was being pushed in her stroller. And, and she said, unfortunately, strollers didn't have straps then. She wishes that they did. And her parents were, and this is a quote, they were in the rapture of protest. So they didn't notice that she'd fallen out of her stroller. And they, and they had, in a sense, temporarily abandoned her at this protest for whatever it was. And then when they finally realized she wasn't there and they went back to where the stroller was, she was, of course, crying and she was upset. And they asked her, what was she upset about? What do you want? She was two. And she said, I want my freedom. Now, aside from being a plagiarized story from Martin Luther King, who talked about a girl, a little girl who was lost in a protest. Someone found her and a cop was accosting her in some way. It was probably in the 50s. And and she said her she wants her freedom. Now, she probably felt the tyranny of uh, of authority then. And, and rightly so. Protest was important. But to suggest that you were two and you said you want your freedom, please. But at the same time, I don't claim to know her as a person. I kind of believe that that's a bunch of BS. But politicians all BS. It's just sometimes easier to see it. But it's her policies that I don't like. It's the idea that there's no such thing as a man and a woman. Or 
that we can't use oil. We have to eliminate fracking, drive up the cost of oil for, for alternative energy sources that aren't adequate yet. Things like that, particulars like that. And then there's this, the cultural part. It seems like we are detaching from reality. Have you heard anyone yet say, a woman, instead of amen? Like when you're saying a prayer, at the end of it, you can't just say amen. It's so misogynistic. Men. Why does it got to be men? Now, regardless of the fact that amen comes from amin, which is a Hebrew word that means, and, and let it be so, or and it is so. It's nothing to do with the word men, or man, or gender. But it doesn't matter. That's, that's reality. We're not talking about reality. We're talking about how we are perceived. You will perceive me as more enlightened if I say a woman instead of a man. But then again, I thought there was no such thing as binary genders, men and women. Why would you have to say women? Suggest that you believe that there are men and women. And if you're praying, it suggests you believe there's a God. I didn't think that God was a, a big part of the new enlightenment. The wokeness. They tend to bash religious people. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a twisted road. It is a twisted road. But what I wanted to get to, the main point I wanted to get to was voter identification. Why don't we have a voter ID? Why don't we? No, the reasons are pretty clear why we ought to. If you want a fair game. Right in the in, in this battle between Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives, um, fighting in the world of ideologies to decide which wins and what policies are are implemented and, and such. Um, but the the game, the contest is elections, and you need a referee in any contest to keep people from cheating. And I, I can't understand any any valid reason why we should not have an identification for voting. Especially now we have mail-in voting. That made it even worse. That may have turned the election. The fact that we loosened the requirements for identifying who's voting so much that we literally have no idea who voted or who used whose identity to vote. When I voted, I went in and asked when I was was at, at my polling place, I he asked me if I wanted, he asked me to show him my ID so he could scan it. And then the computer would take care of all the rest. And all I had to do was go vote. And I thought, I said to him, am I required to show you my ID? And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. Only if you want to. I'm thinking to myself, how ridiculous is that? I could be anybody. I don't understand it. In an effort to not appear, I don't know what, racist, misogynistic. I don't even understand it. I don't even understand it. So um, here's the argument that I've heard against voter ID. And the, and, and, uh, the governor of Virginia, um, what was his name? Northam, recently was quoted. And he, was, he was interviewed about this, and he was speaking out against voter ID. And it was it was one of the... One of the um, kind of clearest articulations that I saw of reasons against it. This is what he said. Quote, voting is a fundamental right, and these new laws strengthen our democracy by making it easier to cast the ballot, not harder. 
And he's talking about eliminating voter ID. He said this in a statement recently, I think last Sunday. And the, the article goes on. The governor's statement also echoed the usual progressive argument against voter ID laws. Quote, Northam, voter ID laws disenfranchise individuals, and this is the important part, individuals who may not have access to photo identification. And it disproportionately, this is still the quote, disproportionately impact low-income individuals, racial and ethnic minorities, the elderly, and individuals with disabilities, he asserted. The notion that voter ID laws unfairly restrict the ability of minorities to vote is one of the most common ones that I've heard. Could you imagine if you just use that as a note as a as a preconception? Oh, you're black, so it must be harder for you to get a voter ID. You you must not have the wherewithal to do it because you're black or Hispanic. Or because you have a learning disability. It must it must not be possible for you to get a to to actually get an identification. I mean, they have a driver's license in most cases. Most able-bodied, semi-intelligent, or at least aware, basic minimum intelligent people have a driver's license. You know, an election is one of the most important foundational elements to our lives. It is how we make our voice heard in our government. And the idea that we don't have to identify who we are I, I, I mean, it's baffling. It's baffling. They call it voter suppression. Could you imagine just having carrying the presumption that minority people aren't able to get photo ID? That is the bigotry of low expectations. And here's the thing. I suspect they don't actually think that. I suspect they want the laws loosened. And they pretty much anything that touches tangentially to race ends up ending the discussion because nobody wants to be perceived as racist. So you just stop arguing. Okay, 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 okay. If, if, if it's considered racist by enough people, then we just won't, we won't do it. We did that at our school. We stopped suspending people based on behavior because we had racially disproportionate suspensions in an unnamed city school district. Talk about low expectations. I don't think you're able to behave the right way, so we're going to stop suspending you. It will just, it will look racist. It will look racist if we ask you for a voter identification. Imagine that. I don't think you have the wherewithal to show me who you are. It's, 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 (laughs) I don't even know what, it's awful. It's just awful. If I was an African American, and it's hard to say what I would think because I'm not. So I don't mean to suggest that I can get inside the head of somebody of a different race, but I would find it. I would think someone would find that insulting for others to just presume it for their benefit, right? For their benefit. They're so delicate. I, I, I understand. It's almost like talking to somebody like, I don't know what, presuming a, a, a kind of ignorance. I understand that you have trouble accessing photo ID because of the nature of who you are. 
So we're going to make it so that you don't have to tell us who you are. In fact, we're going to mail you a ballot, and it doesn't matter who takes it out of your mailbox and, and mails it in for you. We want to go to that extent to not be racist and not have voter suppression, that we're going to basically undermine the, 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 the most primary element to voting. Who is voting? There's no doubt in my mind. And, and I'm telling you, it brings down the, the, the level of expectation. It bring down, brings down quality when you say, Whoa, 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 we're going to, like, there was a school in Manhattan, a private school in Manhattan, that began eliminating courses that showed students of color performing lower than white students. They eliminated the courses. It must be the courses' fault. Teachers were fine with it. They're all progressive. It's, you know, it's in Manhattan. To think, we're, we're going to not teach this course anymore because you're not doing well at it. It reminds me of The Simpsons. When the the superintendent Chalmers was walking down the hall with Principal Skinner, and uh, and he said, Chalmers told him that they're going to um, be eliminating history from the curriculum. Students weren't scoring well on the test. He's like, and Skinner's like, oh well, well I guess it's just going to be the old three R's. And the Chalmers goes, it'll be two by September. Honestly, that's where we're going. To, to disrupt something as fundamental as voting, you know, I could be wrong, you know, but I don't think I am. I don't think I am. It drives me nuts. There's no reason why we don't have voter ID. You know, it, it, it invites cheating, which invites cheating on the other side, which ends up creating a sense that you can't trust the outcome of an election, which is happening right now. Oh. Man, I could go on and on and on, but I'm not going to. I have reached the end. I'm out of wind. Um, <laughs> but I will be back shortly. It feels good to be back in the world. i got to tell you, it feels good. Milky? Yeah. Yep, Milky's back out in the pasture doing whatever he does. So, as always, thank you for listening. It has been my pleasure, and I will see you next time.